Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I meet face-to-face to discuss the hardest-hitting issues facing comics today about people who hit each other hard in the face. Topics undertaken include the new writers of Black Panther and Black Knight, the first issues of Watchmen and Omega Men, Comic Relief and Cosmic Monkey, Doctor Doom and Submariner, Mark Wade and Bill Cosby, Steve Englehart and Priest, and much, much more. Show notes are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. Am I supposed to say, Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan! See, the reason I said am I supposed to say that is, Jeff and I are in the same space. It's not like normally where I call you off. Yes. Oh, it's true. One of the things I remember from this space is there was so much thumping from us putting our elbows on the table. Yeah, so... Hands in the air. And where everyone can see them. You should leave all of this in. I sadly probably will. It, it never occurred my, to me otherwise. Uh, <laughs> Whatnots, we're here at the very exciting Wait What Creative Summit here in Portland, Oregon. I love that you call it a creative summit. I call it Jeff is in town. Yeah. I mean, right now we're in my office. We're in where I work. We're in where I do the podcast all the time. This is not a creative summit for me. Graham, Graham is, uh, Graham's wrong. He, we actually are recording this from an expensive restaurant somewhere where... Oh my god, wouldn't that be, you could, like, loop in background noise of people going... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly, with the clink, clink, yeah, that, oh, if only I was that, that, uh, technically able. Uh, yes, so expect us to be, um... Chomping down on some incredibly expensive food. Exactly. <laughs> Instagramming pictures from Shake Shack anytime soon, even though we don't have an Instagram account. Also, what is Shake Shack? Oh, Shake Shack is like the big New York... It's like is like a burger place that You're is... making a Marvel Creative Summit joke, aren't you? See, what you don't get now, listeners, is because Jeff's here, he can do visual jokes. So I can say, you're doing a Marvel Creative Summit joke, aren't you? And he can look guilty, which he wouldn't normally do. Because I wouldn't see it. <laughs> this is going to be a really annoying podcast for you listeners. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Did. You'll be re- by the end of this, you'll be really glad that we only do this on Skype. And I should add, I tried to help you guys. I really did. <laughs> it, it looked like wait, yeah. Are you going to explain? Jeff and I are in the same place right now, yeah. uh, which also might explain the slightly different audio quality. We're in the same room. We're using a a, a regular microphone. That's right. Um, but we almost didn't. We were almost. Because Jeff suggested it as a real possibility, uh, we're going to be in different rooms of the same house on Skype. <laughs> it's a great idea. I don't understand. Like, everyone's like, people who are weirded out by the fact that Graham and I are not in the same room anyway, I think really understand the idea that, you know, why Wait, not are, continue are, the tradition? Are people weirded out that we're not in the same room? I've heard that before. I've had a really? few people. Yeah, I've had a few. I, in fact, I've got a friend of mine who it listens to the podcast and was like, you guys should really say that you're in different cities because, oh my God, that'd be great. You could be like, live from San Francisco, <laughs> it's Mr. Jeff the Jeffster Lester. Wow, Jeff the Jeffster Lester. I've never quite heard that. Also, that was surprisingly hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed you did it. I can't even do it. I can't even get my name right half the time when it's when I leave out the Jeff, Jeffster part. So, you know. Yeah. I feel bad. Should I do one for you? It's no. like, and from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like that official voice. 
town of the Randy Beavers. It's Graham Grimjack McMillan. John Ashton is going to sue. <laughs> he probably is. Hey, the episode's young. Let's see how many people actually sue us by the time we get to oh, the end of it. Oh, oh, <laughs> you might you might be amused by this. Um, at Rose City Comic Con last weekend, as yes. we record, I was on the writing about comics panel. Yes, right, and it's me and it's Laura Hudson and Rachel Edison and Douglas Walk and to our stands, uh, David Brothers joins. Wow! But at one point, someone asks from the audience, "That's a really weird question." The question they asked was essentially, um, "How can I sue you?" No, how can I when I'm reviewing a comic? They said, mm-hmm. "How can I?" lessen the possibility that I'm going to insult someone in case that impacts my future relationship with them. I'm paraphrasing significantly, but that sure. was essentially what they were saying. Right. Uh, and my response was kind of like, why would you do that? Like, review the comic. Yeah. Uh, and I said something along the lines of like, lots of people hate me. And Laura right beside me was like, lots of people really do hate you. <laughs> Which I was not expecting at all. <laughs> And so I had that moment where I'm like, wow, I, like, I was saying it as a joke, but I guess lots of people really do hate me. So there you go. Yeah, well, you I know. Mean, I know. I know certain people hate me. I didn't think it was lots of people. No. I, what, I think what it is, is certain people hate you a lot. That's true. Certain people hate me enough for lots of people to hate me. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I think, I think that is, that's probably what they were trying to get at. But I, I thought that was unexpected and hilarious. And mortifying all at the same time. That's great. That yeah. was great. So, uh, so yeah, maybe lots of people will want to us afterwards, but they probably already started hating us. Yeah, there you go. There we have it. There we have it. So, uh, so creative summit. Should we explain what your create your creative summit is? I'm doing air quote marks. He is doing it. I was like, what the hell? It's deeply patronizing. <laughs> But also, completely useless in an audio podcast. Well, that unless it's to patronize me, because now I'm right here, <laughs> people just can't see the Grams patronizing me. Although, come on, let's face it, we all knew. Anyway, <laughs> please continue, Graham. But no, we should say what it is, which is, Jeff comes up to Portland. Yes. Uh, once a year? Twice a year? Once it's, a year. It's, it's, what, the, it's yeah, once yeah, a year, yeah. Right? usually once a year. Um, and we get together, and we genuinely do talk about... Like, what have we done with the podcast? What should we be doing? Yes. Uh, and so this year it's been things like, what are we doing with our Patreon goals? Should we change our Patreon goals? What are we doing to make you guys happy? What nots? Mm-hmm. Uh, it strikes me only now as we're recording the episode, maybe we should have asked them. And then we might have had some feedback, and then we might have been able to make a more informed decision. Jeff is shaking his head. I'm like, I'm like Graham, you clearly have not been paying attention to the Marvel Creative Summits, which is <laughs> how I'm clearly trying to model my life oh, in every no. aspect. At the First of all, there's only two of us, there should be many more. Uh, we should be, okay. we really should be taking like annoying photographs and then posting them on social media. I've been doing that. Uh, occasionally, we should just tweet out things like, I can't believe the idea I've just heard. Yeah, that's all coming. That's all coming. Also, Graham. Yeah. There are how are is are there are there people of color in the room? We are just like a Marvel creative. Summit. Exactly. It's a room full of white guys and who are going to make decisions without consulting everyone. Also, fool is there's two of us in a room. It's full of white guys. <laughs> it could be a bigger room uh, than than I'm trying to make it sound like. But the point is, Graham, I think we have the basics. White guys in a room making decisions for lots of people without consulting them. That's okay. pretty much the part of that's the creative part. Anyway, my point was uh, 
if things change for Wade Watt, for whatever reason, spoilers, they're not going to. No. Um, <laughs> but if they did, it would be because of this thing that we that, did. That's, that's right, this momentous occasion. Um, yeah, in fact, so far, the highlights of the Creative Summit have been Graham and I arguing about a Frankie Goes to Hollywood t-shirt. <laughs> Uh, Arguing suggests that I actually care. Okay, Graham, you're the worst. You're just the worst. Graham didn't care once I was right. Before I was, when I was wrong, Graham was like, what are you talking about? No, you're wrong. Clearly he didn't care, but he cared enough to say, you were wrong, Jeff. You're very wrong. And then when I came back with some photographic proof, he's like, I don't care, which is an interesting turn of events. Before that. I was going to say, the, the real highlight was the comic store. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Listeners. Holy cow. So I might have... Did I talk about this or did I do a written post where I mentioned it? I definitely mentioned it at some point. I think it was in a podcast. I think I you did. It. Right. Uh, there is a, a a store that has opened relatively recently in Portland, within walking distance from where I live, mm-hmm. um, which is purely a back issue store. Yeah. And has a really random selection of stuff. I think you'd agree. Like, the selection is, is super... Not disorganized, because, I mean, it's all organized, yeah. but it's it's an odd collection. You have, yeah. like, 1970s stuff, 1960s stuff, like, stuff from last year. Yeah. Like, all all mixed together, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason. Yes. Um, I I basically told Jeff, it's a wacky store, we should go. And Jeff was like, I like wacky stores, why not? What I didn't realize is, you know that thing about one man's trash being another man's treasure? I thought it was wacky and, like, had some, you know, for me, cheap Marvel Age magazines to get buy... Jeff loved it. Okay, so so yes, I did, because one of the things that was crazy is we stepped in there, and the guy behind the counter, who was not the owner, was the sweetest guy who proceeded to, you know... He told us about SPX. Yeah, he went to SPX this year. He had a table at SPX, and he was telling us about it. You know, uh, Graham was telling a little bit about Rose City Gone, which I was not at, so I couldn't really say much. But there were... So there was there was clearly a center table where they had um, dollar books, and the more books that you bought, the steep the deeper the discount. So it became something like I think it you was get, it's a dollar a book, twelve for ten dollars, twenty five for twenty dollars. That's and then right. I, surely it doesn't go up beyond that. No one buys more than twenty five dollar books at a time. Okay, right? so Graham oh, here. Man. Yeah, oh, I can't believe that this is the worst part. Is you yeah, would think that Graham had set this up, but I saw the confusion on his face when I leaned no, that, in. That's right. Yeah, you actually did. Jeff, Jeff bought thirty six. I bought thirty six dollar books, and the guy at the counter was so sweet that. He wanted to try and save me money, and he actually charged me more money than if I had bought twenty five really? books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I didn't oh, want to give him a bad time. Did I, he make a, a, a bad discount? Yeah, he gave me. He, it was, I paid thirty four dollars for thirty six books. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's so great. Yeah. So, and it's okay, listeners. Don't worry about. Don't worry about me. Oh, apparently, when I'm in contact with Graham, I just start saying listeners every other every other sentence. But, so the thing that's amazing, though, is that Graham's like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I hit these four... Uh, you, did, you just hit, like, four boxes Four well. long boxes. I only got about two boxes into them, and I pulled out 36 comics I wanted to read. And then, hilariously, our, I sadly am not joking, our wives pretty much came in and were like... Listen, you nerds, stop spending time in the comments. that is actually true. And then I had the delight of actually, of my wife being 
kind of annoyed that I had bought so many comic books. And it would be great if I could have said, but honey, I got such a good deep discount. But the fact is, <laughs> I did not. But However, what I did get was, uh, as far as I can tell, an almost complete run of Stingle, St- Stingle, Stingle Art. Good old Stingle Art. <laughs> Stinker, Steve the Stinker Angle Art. From sunny Oakland, California. Anyway, uh, I'm trying for a Don Pardo voice. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Also, is Engelhardt still in Oakland, California? I, I think he's still in the Bay Area. Oh my god, Jeff, you should hunt him down. I've thought about like, it. Like, in a nice way. No, oh, oh, oh. Sorry. I didn't understand. <laughs> I was totally, yeah, I need his liver. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, exactly. Eat Take all his genius into all, yeah, yeah, exactly. My understanding is, is the liver, you get all that intelligence, but, but it's also a good source of iron. Oh, I, I, I have not been watching Hannibal. I'm sorry. I, I'm, behind, <laughs> I'm behind the times. Um, yeah, but you, that would imagine talking to Engelhart. That would be so great. Uh, a, I would love it if it wasn't terrifying. And you know, because I think I've told you before, one of one of sadly my San Diego uh, Comic Con memories from like '95 <laughs> or '96. Have I told you that? Is is just um, we. My girlfriend at the time and her boyfriend, who was also a super big comic nerd, we were all at San Diego. Uh, we went out, got a, a table to eat, and this was, this was like I said because it's '96, completely different from the atmosphere here. Yeah. You could you could, you could eat you could, anywhere you wanted. Exactly, you could get a table to eat. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we're sitting outside, we're waiting for our food, and the table next to us is none other than Chris Claremont. And I do not know that who he was talking to, but what was great was Chris Claremont is, there's got to be some, imagine someone with all the pomposity of the inside the actor's studio, James Lipton, and all of the, I don't know, self-regard of, say, Donald Trump, and let him loose on somebody who is taking him out for food for whatever reason. Chris Claremont not just regaled his lunch table, but all of our lunch tables. I love everything about that. That's actually how I want Chris Claremont to be. I can't tell you why. Yeah. It sounds like a truly horrific human being, but that is exactly how I want Chris You know what? To be fair, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't fully terrible. It wasn't completely like... It sounds, let's just say 85% terrible. It's, it was. That sounds like a good amount. I frankly was like, oh, hey, Chris Claremont. And he's like, yeah, so... Back when I was on Marvel Team Up, I was like, no, no, let's let's make Mary Jane Red Sonia. And they were like, no. And I'm like, guys, think about it. Long pause. And it was great. During that long pause, the people I was with were like, let's kill him. Let's kill him now. <laughs> like, everyone. But watching also, an entire group of people But slowly. this is 95, right? Yeah, 95, So he's, he's gone from X-Men at yeah. this point. So he's probably... Let's face it, he needs the ego boost. He's probably doing, like, Sovereign 7 for DC. I, I, it's so funny you mentioned that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sovereign 7. Yeah, so, which yeah. is probably, yeah, not even panning out. So at he, that he, at that point, it's just like, yeah. hey, you guys, I did Marvel Team. Like, it's, you're hearing it as a boastful man. I'm imagining a very sad man trying to relive past glories. Well, so depending on how you view Steve Englehart's website. <laughs> which I, That's somewhere between the two. Exactly. I think... If you gave him just another page of his website, would actually claim that he had created the Earth. Yes. Yeah. In like seven days. Yeah. So the seven day thing was my idea. Yeah. Say. Exactly. 
Archie Goodwin originally wanted it in like 10 days, but I was getting ready to leave for the coast to study astrology. So Exactly, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh... You are wonderfully sort of explaining why, even though I bought Coyote, I will go as far as Ocean 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That so, is That is a wacky series. Like, did you read it when it came out? I seem to remember we've had this conversation. We have, because yeah. I didn't make it past issue three. So that's why I'm really curious. I would love the idea that you open issue four of Coyote and it's just blank pages from there <laughs> through, like, issue nine. Well, you, you know that the, la- the, the cover of the last issue is Ronald Reagan. Right? I forgot that. that it's Ronald really- Reagan saying, making a deal with Gorbachev, saying that he, they'll unilaterally disarm if he lets America keep making coyote. <laughs> That's the cover of the last issue. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Steve Englehart. I'm terrified, but believe me, there is part of me that A would love to track him down and talk and believe me, when WonderCon was at um San Francisco, he always had a table. He always had a table oh. and I was too chicken to talk to him every year. Every year I'd be like, just go talk to him. Just go. You'll be an idiot. You're going to sound like an idiot. As as that, people may recall, I usually I do. do all of, like, that's me with any creator table yeah. at, at any convention. Yeah. I uh, had been emailing back and forth with Jen Van Meter oh, yeah. about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time last year, because it was before last year's show city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, we'd really been emailing back and forth. I mm-hmm. was going to talk to her for a story that ended up not panning out. But we we're like, yeah, you know, we should meet up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I really had to fight myself to actually say hello to her. Wow. Because I was that filled with, I'm just going to be a dick. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be a dick. I'm like, this is a lovely, lovely human being. Exactly. Being incredibly gracious with her time. Mm-hmm. Like, super helpful. I don't want to just go up and be like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, if you guys meet Graham in person, ask him to do his blah, blah, blah. Because there's a thing he does with his hands that's awesome. That really is. It's great. His blah, blah, blah hands. Yeah, so it's, oh, it's a little Posse-esque. But you know yeah. what we should do? What? We should get out of video. You doing blah, 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 and then... The hands. And the hands? Well, you do the hands first. Oh. Oh, I see. I, I was just acting out silently. I don't know why silently. I don't know. It was great. It was really... It was <laughs> I, so filled mind. with drama. <laughs> I, 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 I read you. a box. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> It's amazing. I was like, where am I going to get Graham out of this box? It was really good. Most people's hands don't line up, but... That's what it was. I actually did it. Yeah, you really did. It was a joke. Yeah. Really good. Apart from the fact that Graham just did pantomime on an audio podcast, it's even better that he did it really well. He was trying to... And he couldn't, he couldn't even do it ironically. Oh, God. That's what an natural mime he is. And now he's more or less... Mine mean curling up in a ball from humiliation, so. (laughs) Yeah, so. So what we're saying is, Creative Summit. Yes. Next year's Wait What is going to involve me doing lots of my Yeah, exactly. And then maybe if we get to a right proper Patreon goal, I would actually love to do, to have us interview Inkelhart on the podcast. Yes, that that would be super great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. If we could do some sort of, I mean, because we talk about him. All, All the, the time. time. Exactly. So it is like if we were ever going to interview any creator. Yeah. I think he's up Engelhart there. would really be it. Yeah. Englehart, Morrison, Matt Fraction. Uh... <laughs> you said that one, that last one, like as if that was ever going to happen. 
Which is like we have more chance to talk to Morrison than we do on Friday. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's sort of why I was like I wanted I wanted to throw in a ringer, everyone. So uh yeah, uh, in, in fact, spoilers, there's going to be some Englehart discussion coming up. Not just eating his liver, but like reading his comics. Yeah, so. you say that. How how long have we been talking already, Jeff? 19 minutes and 24 seconds. That's what I'm saying, and we're still in the introduction. You really think there's going to be some Angleheart discussion coming up? It, it might be, because I do not, I haven't read a lot of comics <laughs> that weren't. And and in case people are wondering, I'll wrap this up very quickly, the, the comic book back issue part of our creative summit did indeed involve me buying, I think, I have to go and check, but something very close to Englehart's entire run on Doctor Strange, which whatnots have told me that I should check out, and Englehart's uh, surprisingly long run on Captain Marvel right after Starlin leaves because they were buds. So it's Englehart and really Al Milgram. Jealous about that one, yeah, because that's that's got the Trial of the Watcher and a whole bunch of other stuff. Seeing Englehart bring some of his continuity nerd stuff to the big cosmic characters at that point. I think could be interesting. So yeah, I gotta admit, I my wife won't be speaking to me for a week, but I definitely made out. And um, what's great is you got them all for my preferred package. You cost them a dollar a comic. That's right. Uh, because I realized this after going to conventions. I am such a cheapskate with back issues. Yeah. That if they're over a dollar, I really have a. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, and this is the other thing. Yesterday, not part of the Creative Summit, I went to Cosmic Monkey Comics. Which is amazing. Uh, some people may remember last time I was in town. I think it was the last time I was in town was when I did that photo shoot of all the comic stores. Yeah, that you we did. Went to, you right? did a bunch. Yeah, you, you I did, did like Caliber. You did Bridge City. You yeah. Did, where else did you do? You know, I also went up and did Seattle. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I I covered like four or five shops, and one thing that was very consistent in the comments was hit Floating World, hit Cosmic Monkey. I miss Floating World. Oh. Yeah. I think your brain will explode Floating World. Well, see, here's the weird thing. I've been there. I just didn't photograph. Okay. So, um, and and this time around, I didn't get a chance to go there, but I was okay. But we remembered Cosmic Monkey, and we went. And that is amazing. That Oh, I haven't even showed Graham the stuff that I got from them, really. Why don't you tell me now, while we're doing a comic podcast? Well, okay. So... The uh, those people who are have been following our written posts know that I spent like the last month essentially writing too many words about Skull the Slayer. Are there too many words about Skull the Slayer? There are not, Graham. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, clearly, there may be too many words from me about <laughs> Skull the Slayer, but it's a, that's a different matter entirely. And I was able to write uh, essentially thanks to the miracle of Marvel Unlimited. I was able to get every read everything. After Skull's series from the 70s and the two issues of Marvel 2 and 1, except for three issues of Quasar, where he pops up as part of um, Dr. Druid's, like, Night Shift or Scary Pack or whatever the hell it's called. Everything about that is great. Because, of course, it's Dr. Druid. Because you know that Mark Grunewald is like, wait, I've got it. Yes. Dr. Druid. Yes. Exactly. So, Marvel Unlimited had everything but those three issues. Which is where I went and got them from Cosmic Monkey. And they were a little bit more. I think I told you they were three bucks a pop. But I'm, I am actually kind of shaking my head. At the, you spent $9 on, on Quasar Black issues? And, and oh, what else did you get? Uh, I got two. I got a, I got a $2 volume, manga volume. I can't even remember what it's called, frankly. Mm-hmm. That just at two bucks, I'm like, it, you know, and it's one of those from the 80s. By the way, for people who like, like, they had an upstairs 
section for little kids that had Japanese manga, like volumes of Japanese manga collections, like horses and baseball, and like really early stuff. That was not the stuff that I bought. I, I ended up buying something, but they, they had a surprisingly extensive run of, of raging comics. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that the, one of the very early uh, attempts to, to publish a lot of the shonen stuff like city hunter and um, uh, Baku, the grappler or whatever. So I got a $2 volume of that. And they had these two shirts that I had no idea existed. And I more or less crapped myself when uh, my brother held them up. Uh, no, no, not this. This is the, uh, sorry. Jeff is wearing a Black Panther t-shirt. I should find that. Yeah, which we'll talk about later because, oh, and Graham's wearing a Bloodshot t-shirt, which is interesting. I almost never wear a comic book t-shirt. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like, wow. I, Cause I was really aware of that. The Black Panther shirt is a fave of mine. I have to admit. Um, which is, we can talk about a little later, of course, when we get the comics news, such as it is. Uh, two, two, there were two Bat manga shirts. That are, yeah, from apparently Graffiti Press, but put out um, shirts from the, gosh, what was the guy, Uh, uh, Juwata's Bat Manga, and they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous shirts. And you bought them? I did. I'm like, part of me is like, do you want to talk to people and I'll just run into the next room and get them because I, I can do that. No, no. No, no, no. I'll do I, it. No, no. I'll, I'll see them later, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Okay. He, he really is crestfallen. Yeah, I kind of am. Visibly crestfallen. Because the shirts are fucking great. Cosmic Monkey is, it. it's enor- It's an enormous store. It is. It's really big. It's be- much bigger than you think when you first go in as well. Yeah. It, it is one of the biggest stores I think that I've been in since... Since well, really, since uh, Comic Relief in Berkeley. I mean, I haven't been to a ton, but you yeah. know what I mean. Like, it is enormous. It's weirdly like Comic Relief in some ways. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Kind of is. That's actually a good for, point. For anyone who really remembers Comic Relief in Berkeley, which was an amazing store, and also maybe just for me, completely daunting. Yeah, yeah. Comic Relief really was like, oh god. Right. I remember the first time I went there, and I just, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what I bought. Mm-hmm. But I remember being really nervous about buying anything because I was convinced that I was buying something wrong. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's sometimes you go in and you're like, these people are just so on top of their shit and so cool. Right. I don't want to be the guy going up there who buys something that, like, you know, people are going to give me shit about. Which I have entirely because of comics experience. First time I went into comics experience. That happened? Yes. You know, that is one of the things that's the miracle of comics experience is depending on who you got. I think I also had that experience. At, at I, I, experience I, the, I'm not going to say who I had, but I'm yes. pretty sure you know who I had. If you think about who would have been working there at that point. Yes. Yeah. I figured. Um, I bought, but you know what I bought? That was so funny. What'd you so buy? Something I bought that was so terrible. Yes. That I, I was like actually like slagged off in the store by the guy ringing me up. No. Yes. Eddie Campbell's Alec. No! Yeah, and oh. Jessica Abel's um, oh, Art Babe or... Oh, oh. Leopardita. Leopardita. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First issue of that. Holy shit. Right? Oh, man. And well, I, I honestly had this... Which is so funny because, like, later I'd work for Brian and, you know... Yeah. All stuff. But I remember I... You know, Brian was, was famous or, or comics famous. Yes. Like, back then. We're talking 2001, I guess? 2002? Something like that, yeah. I'm going to say 2002. Early yeah. 2002. Um, and so like Brian was a, a thing, and this was you know this was back when like the Warren Ellis forum was still around, and people yeah. were like, oh, comics, and if you want to go to a great comic store, it's Comics Experience, 
And I went and I was super like, oh my God, this store is amazing. They've got all these things I've never seen before. Yeah. This is like the greatest thing. Oh my God, Eddie Campbell's Alec. Oh, I'm totally going to get that. Yeah. What is this Labradina? It's beautiful. I'm totally going to get that. Yeah. And I went out to the counter and person who no longer works there. Yes. Not for um, a long time, by the way. Oh, for a very long time. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, was just like. Oh, what are you buying? What is this shit? And I remember just being like, I can never go back in that store again. That is a shame. That is such I a shame. I, I mean, I did, obviously. Yes. But, yeah, I remember leaving and just being like, oh, God, that yeah. was that was the worst experience. Like, I'm feeling humiliated. Like, oh, shit. That is such a shame. That is such a shame. Yeah. You know? Um, it's also great because I'm 90% sure, since I know the person that you're talking about, that one of the things that they pride themselves on is they have every variant cover ever put out by Top Cow. So that that makes a lot of sense. It's really, <laughs> I keep on being like, don't say his name, right? But um, yeah. So it was it was super like it was it was this really the great part is terrifying this, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but, so the first time I went to Comic Relief as well. Right. I think I had that in the back of my head, mm-hmm. and I was just like. <gasps> Don't buy something shit. Don't buy something shit. Oh god, whatever you do, don't buy something shit. Yeah, uh, and so for that purpose, I probably didn't buy anything great. You know, it's interesting. I, mean? I probably played it super safe. I, I, I had, right, exactly. I actually had an experience, a comics experience, uh, about two weeks ago, where um, I was talking to uh, Emma, the absolutely one of the many wonderful staff people who work there. They're seriously, they're all great, um, and. And it, there was a customer who, and this was my mistake, because I came up and sort of started, he was being rung up, like, yeah. so we stopped talking, so Emma was ringing him up, and it was, like, uh, one of Garth Ennis's, like, um, Punisher Max volumes yeah, yeah. that was collected that, I guess it, it ended up in being marked as a sale book, and he was talking about how happy he was that that was great, and they're coming out in a new edition or whatever, and I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. And he's like, oh, have you read him? I'm like... No, I made it about halfway through, and you literally said something like, well, that's pretty dumb of you. And I'm like, well, yeah, but no, I mean, I stopped, and I was like, but then I picked him up with, I read the Jason Aaron stuff. He's like, oh, really? That's even worse. And I mean, it was amazing <laughs> the amount of attitude this wow. guy gave me for, like, not A, not finishing Ennis's, uh Punisher Max stuff, which is the best stuff ever, um, and then B, following that up by Jason Aaron, like, as far as he was concerned, he... Jason Aaron did everything wrong. Now, I'm not, first off, I, my feelings weren't bruised, but it was pretty funny that this was happening. And also I've talked to other people who've told me sort of more or less the same thing, that that there are a couple of people who can't enjoy Jason Aaron's run because A, because it has things like Bullseye and Electra and Kingpin mm-hmm. in it, which I totally get. And the Max versions and that, uh, you know, that Ennis was just perfect. So, um, but it was really funny. I was like, oh yeah, no, they're not like that now. The customers, however, the customers you have to be careful of because they will <laughs> cut you. They will cut you and leave you for dead, bleeding out on the floor. Um, Cosmic Monkey, incredibly well staffed. Like the people were really sweet. Well, I complimented the guy in the back issue bin about the story. He's like, oh yeah, hey, thanks. And like their manga selection had some amazing stuff. Uh, just amazing collection Miyazaki stuff that just had me like salivating and some really great discount stuff. Again, these bought manga shirts, 
Um, You're going to have to put the address in the show notes because people are going to be. I'll like, have to do a link. I'm going to be going to Portland at some point, and yeah. they'll be like, "Okay, this is this is where you go to Cosmic Monkey." Yeah, Cosmic Monkey, uh, completely tying things together with an earlier bit. Uh, Laura Hudson used to work there oh. years and years and years and years and years ago before she was Laura Hudson. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't actually, for whatever reason, I thought of Cosmic Monkey as a relatively new store, and it's been here as long as I've been here. Yeah, so, so, so. that's at least seven years. Wow, yeah, yeah, and probably longer. So, yeah, no, there's actually a lot of great stores. What's the store that we went to that was um, next to the salt store? Bridge next City to Comics. Man. Bridge City Comics. Yeah, that's yeah. also a great little store, too. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's there too. a lot of really great stores in Portland. I don't think I've been to a bad store in Portland. Yeah. I, well, the thing that is actually amazing to me, I don't. I apologize if I told – I know I told you this story, although I think offline. But okay. I apologize as a podcast story, is um, – my wife and I went to a uh, an undisclosed location that, let us just say, is a relatively okay-sized city in the south um, that has just re- – oh, wait. Why am I eh. – so we went to Nashville. And, uh, <laughs> and with – I was wondering why you were – I don't know. I just – because I, I'm, I don't know. I don't want people to be freeze. Well, okay. The main thing is, is we went to Nashville. Nashville had great food. Very affordable housing, um, you know, a, a relatively decent commute. We were in the hipster side of Nashville, and everybody was super friendly and super sweet, and and were great drivers. And I was like, yeah, oh, gee, gosh, I wonder if we could relocate here because it is kind of affordable and it's near where I work. Uh, I should say the Nashville office. I was say, yeah, it's it's near where you could work. Where I could work, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I wonder if we should do this. and the. Everything was great until the last day. I was like, okay, well, let's check out the comic book stores. And it's really comic book store. So, and it took a while to get to that store. But I was also, I honestly, having lived in San Francisco for, I don't know, 30 years, I'm utterly spoiled. Like, to me, the idea that you have a city. And when I come up and visit you, of course. There's so many, like, there's so many comic stores now within walking distance. Yes. Yeah. yeah, You're like, you've got more than one adjacent to, you know. And so I, when I come up to Portland, I usually hit at least four stores without even breathing hard. And this time, it was about four stores and two of them were different, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that is a complete stunner to me is, is the idea of, and I hear this, I hear people talk about it all the time, especially when talking about their preferences for digital or, you know, the problems with the direct market. That there's not a store nearby or not yes. a good store nearby. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, okay, so there's not a good store nearby, so you can go and get over to, you know, and, and I, or I figured they were just living in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Nashville, Tennessee is not the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know? exactly. Nashville, Tennessee is Nashville, Tennessee. It's, it, it's a big city. Exactly, as far as I was concerned. But... It's it only it as far as I know unless Yelp was lying to me but I I scoured and to be fair the people at that shop were lovely they were it was a de- it was a decent store I probably could have considered going there but I felt creeped out by kind of not even having the option for an alternative that's so funny I I mean I I grew up in the Scottish sticks mm-hmm. slightly different from the regular sticks in that they're Scottish but um, where I grew up like I grew up in a sizable town, but a town. Uh-huh. And there was no comic store there. Right. So when I was a kid, if I wanted to go to the comic store, I had to go to Glasgow, mm-hmm. which was a, I mean, this is where we get into, in Scotland, things are different. It was a, our community. 
right? Which is not a big commute, but when you're a kid, an hour commute seems like a long time. Sure. So I wouldn't get to the store that regularly. Uh, and I remember going from there to where I went to college, mm-hmm. and there being comic stores in town there. And they weren't close, but they were in town. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's the difference between going to a city right. to get comics to, like, getting the bus from where I lived into the centre of town and going to the store. I was going to ask if that's what you did. Is you cut the bus to yeah. get there? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so then, I you know, I lived various other places between college and then moving to America. But then when I moved to America, mm-hmm. the first place I lived, there was a comic store a block away. Wow. And that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. And even more than that was the fact that there was another comic store four blocks away. Right. And I was just like, I don't get this. Yeah. I don't understand that there are two comic stores, like, within walking distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was That's amazing. That's some heady stuff. It really was. Yeah. And at that point, I was... Shit, what age was I when I came to America? Uh, 25? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would have been 25 or 26. And so I was, like, I was over the... I should be amazed at this stuff, but I was amazed by it. Yeah, I was pretty like, amazing. Like, I... Comics have always been something where I've had to go and get them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yes. it's, it's involved some effort on my right. part. like an epic. Journey. And so the idea that, like, I could be in the apartment I'm living in and go, oh, man, I really want to read the, ne- the latest issue of whatever the fuck. And I could literally go to the end of my block and buy it was astounding to me. To be fair, Graham, A... I'm still incredibly envious that you're within walking distance now of two comic book shops. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the thing. For me, I've been in San Francisco for 30 years. I've never lived close to one. That That's not entirely true. There was a very brief period where a comic book store opened basically four blocks away. But is like there not five one blocks. on your commute to work? Uh, or, or really close? Because definitely... Right. definitely well, for a long time, my San Francisco comic store was literally the one right by the mini stop that I would get off yeah. when I, I was going to work. Uh, so, like, I would go home on a Wednesday, yes, pick up stuff in the store, and then read it on the mini home. Yes, and which we talked about, and uh, that's Jeffrey's, right? Was it Jeffrey's Yeah, which story? is gone now, yeah. Right, which is good. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's gone now. So, and again, it's also, it was a longer, I didn't take that bus in so it was, it was a longer walk it was still something i would go and do at lunch for a while um uh, look at look at us talking about comic book stores anyway <laughs> yeah if, we freeform all the time this is what we no, do no i know i know but it's I, I i guess it's because um it's a different interface it's a lot easier yeah, you're for like, me to oh see the God, time i'm like oh jesus so god graham people listen to us holy crap <laughs> uh yeah, no, it's 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 fascinating. The comic store thing is like, it is. Well, I mean, part of it is when you're a kid, there's weird things that you consider quote unquote big city. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. So it's very much that that was, and that was only that was part of why it was like one of my biggest important choices with with going to college was like, well, it's got to have a comic book really? store in town. Oh, absolutely. Oh wow, absolutely. that wasn't even vaguely right on my radar. But then again, I went to college at the time where I think everyone, every adult comic book fan has had, where you think you've given up comics. Right. Yeah, see, I never really had that. I never, I never gave up. I think we talked about this. I never gave up on comics. There were periods where it sort of went into remission. Not even remission. Like, 
Like I'd stop <laughs> reading. Permission is a very particular yeah, place. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I, I figure I can make that term work somehow. Uh, where it just seemed like, um, I, where I wouldn't read superhero books. Yeah. You know, during the 90s where I was reading a lot of fanographics yeah. and crumb and indie stuff. Yeah. And it was fabulous. And then I came back to superhero books. <laughs> but and yeah. then you never left again. exactly. No, I, I I I pretty much given up comics, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, wow. And I was reading, but I hadn't really like. But I was reading stuff that you could get anywhere. So I was reading like Deadline, right? At the time, which you know, Deadline really did have some of the best comics around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And so that was great. Right. It, you know, I'd be like, I can get this, and I think at the time it had like, um. I want to say Evan Dorkin was doing stuff for us. They were reprinting yes, on right. Rockets. Right. Like, Jamie Hewlett still had stuff in there. Wow. Philip Bond still had stuff in there. Nick Abadza still had stuff in there. You know, so that's that's great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's definitely scratching an itch. That's scratching yeah. a very particular itch. Right. But I had, like, superhero comics. I was like, eh. Right. The, the, the one that I hadn't given up, the one superhero comic I didn't give up around that time, mm-hmm. was The Flash. Wow. Mark Wade's Flash. Yeah. That, that's one worth keeping. Um, yeah, no, exactly. I can see that. I can see that. And cause when I say like, oh, I never, I mean, I know that for example, I was reading all of Morrison's, you know, his animal man, yeah. and his doom patrol stuff was happening at the time. So yeah. it was, but in terms of like following what was happening, mm-hmm. like all of nightfall or mm-hmm. all the spider clone stuff, yeah, it yeah, just all yeah. passed over. And like, a. I, I I'm now taking us massively off topic, but I've just realized that living in the same city as a comic book store, like I did when I went to college, mm-hmm. was what made comic book store visits so frequent that I got beyond the superhero stuff and started reading the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's when you go there regularly enough and you're like, well, I've read, like, yeah. I bought all the stuff I normally buy. Right. What is this? And right. that's where when I started reading, like, Eddie Campbell for the first time. Yeah. That's when I started reading Dave McKean's Cages. Yeah. I remember they had, like, a remainder on the first issue of Cages. Wow. And I was like, I liked these Sandman covers. Right. You know, and, like, it was nothing like what I expected, but my brain was just, like, fizzling, going, what is this? This is amazing. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so it's it's strange that I think your relationship with the comic book store really changes what you buy at the comic book store. Absolutely, absolutely, which I think is why there's why people occasionally you know hold on to that idea of like, oh, if we just get rid of the comic book stores, comics well, will it, flourish. Well, you it's, know, it's really, I saw that on Twitter this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw God, I totally can't remember who was saying it, but someone was essentially saying. Like, why, why stay in the drug market? Like, what good does the drug market do? Oh, boy. And I want to say maybe Al Kennedy mm-hmm. basically come back, came back with, like, it's a store. Like, it's, you know, you, you if you have a good store, then it can be a gateway. It can introduce you to things. And sure enough, like, every random thing I've discovered that I've grown to love yeah. has come from a store. Yeah. yeah. Like, even, even as recent as... Uh, like, I bought the first release of King City, mm-hmm. a comics experience. Right. I didn't know who Brandon Graham was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, this one Tokyo Pop put it out, and it's like, you know, the, the yes. Digest thing? Which you then ended up lending to me. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, holy shit, what is this? But I literally bought it because, you know, I'd been to the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was there. It was 10 bucks, maybe? Right, right. Um, And I just, like, it looked cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you don't have that with digital. Like, you can't impulse buy with digital, but the chance of you randomly finding something yeah. I, is so much lower than And I do think, that I do wonder, because as people know, there was there was kind of that period of, like, 
when when Comixology started carrying when basically when Marvel and DC started selling day and date to Comixology, yeah, people were like, "Holy shit, what's going to happen? This is the end of the direct market." No, uh, which didn't happen at all. I do think there is a tremendous amount to be said for. I mean, compared to you know, you've got record stores and you've got bookstores, for example, sure. which have gone on, you know, had had very strong careers for a long time. You had. You have record magazines, you know, uh, you have book reviews in Sunday newspapers. Mm -hmm. There are ways for you to get the information, even before the internet, sure, there sure. was a way to get information about what you wanted. Mm -hmm. And with comics... Or what, what you didn't know about it. Right, exactly. Yeah. There was the, exactly. There's like, you pick up the Times Literary Supplement, you flip through it, and you've found like oh this sounds like a fascinating book or holy shit even sometimes something like oh i this ad with all these pull quotes this book looks amazing yeah you know and up you know apart from i mean that actually worked that's how i think i told i know i've told you how i got into alan moore swamp thing was literally from the text pieces that they were running inside yeah. wolfman and perez's teen titans which mm -hmm. Boy, talking, I'm like, I could have gone down with that ship, Graham. I could have gone down and never surfaced. Uh, so I do wonder sometimes if there's that idea of part of what does help comic book stores in a way is that they're just really, even though you can join, like, and I see Reddit groups or what have you where people are talking about, like, what are you reading? What do you recommend? That kind of stuff. But that's... No, different. it is different, and it's and that's what I'm saying. It's it really it's, it's is not the same. Active, you have to actively participate in it. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a store, yeah, you genuinely can passively discover something. Yeah. Sometimes someone actually does approach you, and it drives you up a wall. But sometimes it's just the uh, this is what we recommend, and it's on the recommended shelf. The number of books, the stuff, the manga that I'm really been obsessed with um, the last couple of months. Um, I wouldn't have known about if Doug at Comics Experience wasn't a huge fan of it and mentioned it as well. Well, actually, that's not true. My love story was something that was not recommended. But uh, my neighbor, Tenke, uh, Tenke um, which I have read two volumes of it. I'm just salivating for the next one. I only know about that because it was it was on the, the shelves. And as I was going to manga again, and I'm like, I'm aware that there's people who are actively yeah. fans and picking stuff up and... Yeah, no, there's so much stuff that you get introduced to. And, of course, and that, that is, I think, that does make an argument for, I can understand why some people are frustrated by the number of comic book stores that just are the big well, two. Well, that's just it. Like, yeah. we, we have been very lucky. Yeah. San Francisco and Portland have amazingly good stores. Yeah. And even if you find a bad store, and there were some not great stores in San Francisco. Yeah. You could find a great store. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, you could just go, well, I'm not going to go to this one anymore. I'll go to this, you know, any of these other three. Yeah, right. Right? Exactly. Uh, and in Portland, honestly, I don't think I found a bad store yet. Yeah, right. No, I, I totally get that. Whereas my worry was, and I think maybe that was it, my worry in, in Nashville was like, there's one comic store. It looks good now. What if it sucks? It, or what if, what happens if when it turns evil? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of the... What if the owner dies and they pass it on to the next guy and all he cares about is like... Top guy. 
Yeah, Top Cow, exactly, which he has all the variant covers of, and, you know, statuettes, you know? I'm sorry, Top Cow, you're not actively evil, you're just being used as a a gateway drug to this particular person who gave me a bad time once. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, sure, Top Cow's had some stuff. They've, thank God they've all had stuff. But Hey, why don't you talk about your Steve Allen comics? I was going to, but I was like, hey, why don't we talk about Black Panther since I'm wearing the shirt? Jeff loves Black Panther. He thinks he's great. Uh, what do you want to talk about? The fact that the, the new series has been announced and it's... Uh, uh, God, it's going to be tough to say it out loud. No, do you know I, how no, to say his name? It's not even that I've forgotten his name. It, I've written about him for two days and I've forgotten his name. I want to say I, it's Tainahese Coates. Tainahese Coates, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I apologize if that's not how his first name is pronounced. Uh, but yeah, that he's writing. What's really funny is I see lots of people just losing their shit about this, right? And I'm like, it could be great, yeah, but I can't get excited beyond that. And I realize why after because I really did. I've written a bunch about this. Mm-hmm. I think the real is there's two reasons why I can't just be like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to comics, which lots of people were saying when it was announced yesterday. Yes, one is it's Marvel, mm-hmm. and so I'm not sure it's going to get the support it deserves and or not have to do a crossover issue midway through the run. Right, uh, and two is he, he's not a fiction writer. Like, what if he's amazing? As, as a uh, as an essayist, as, yeah, or, or yeah, as, 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 as like even even an intellectual, yeah. But he's just bad at doing fiction, right? Right. You know, yeah. and, and that doesn't mean he's bad in any other way. But what if he's just not very good at fiction? That is true. And I, I, like I, I, I will read it. Right. I think the fact that Marvel went after him is great. Yes. Uh, I do kind of wish that Brian Stelfreeze wasn't the artist on it, but what can oh, you do? Really? Oh, really? Oh well, um, but yeah, it's like good, I guess. But I, I, I'm not on the. This is the greatest thing ever happened to comics train. I, I don't. Well, of course, I don't think it's the greatest thing to happen to comics. As you know, I, I'm, I'm a, always leery when it comes to Marvel. Uh, maybe less so than you, but more so it seems than than many people. But that being said, um, Coates is at the moment, and admittedly this has a lot to do with marketing and publishing and, of course, potentially uh, an enormous streak of ignorance in in white America with regards to black writers. But he is the most high-profile yeah, writer in America. He yeah. really no, is. He is. He is. Yeah, and and on race, and I think that's the other thing. It's not so much like when when Reginald Hudlin was writing Black Panther, for example. I was not excited. You know, I was not. I even though I like John Romita Jr., I wasn't even that excited. I wasn't excited yeah. that Romita. Yeah. And I picked up the first couple of things, but I'm just like, but that doesn't necessarily matter to me. Yeah. Whereas Coates is someone who the way that he writes about race is different from someone who's written like uh you know a romantic comedy with yeah, black sure. actors or whatever. Sure. I, yes. You know? So for me I'm like depending on what happens, I'm like, Jesus, that could be the most Don McGregoryist comic yes. incarnation of and, Black Panther. And have you heard the the plot? No, no, not at all. Uh, the plot is T'Challa is dealing with a populist uprising that has been 
provoked by a superhero, a superhuman terrorist group. Oh, interesting. So it's one of those, again, it could be great. Yeah. Like, it could be mind-blowingly good. It could be incredibly smart. It could have amazing things to say Yeah, that we, like, you know, we'll be reading and be like, I can't believe this is, like, a comic book. Never yeah. never mind, like, you know, a fucking Black Panther book. Yeah. You know? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> come on. No, 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 I mean, you've clearly not read Doom War. No, no, no. There's been a lot of shit published with Black Panther, especially recently. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. You're making it be like a No, but I feel the character's fallen into significant disrepair of Marvel. I agree. Part of that is also, I don't like what Jonathan Hickman did with him. Yes. And I know that I am in the minority of, I think, everyone on the planet in that. Uh, and, it, you know, and that's actually another reason why I'm a bit nervous about Coates, because he's like, yeah, I really like what John Pinkman did. And I was like, oh, do you know? Okay. Well, because I do, I, in a way, I do get that, because I think that Hickman did handle T'Challa as, um, there There was a lot of stuff of, you know, Hickman's very into writing, uh, writing about rulers, apparently, you know, and, and <laughs> that, yeah, and that seems, that seemed to be a, a, a chunk of it there. I don't know. I, I see, I, see your point. We'll just see. I mean, admittedly, I agree. I, 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 th- be... I think it, I think it's really big news. Yes. Uh, but and I think it's good news probably. Right. But I'm just, for some reason, I just have this whole element of, oh, this could be really disappointing. And maybe that's what it is more than anything. Maybe I'm just scared that I'm going to be disappointed. I get that. I totally get that. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's other books that I know I'm going to dislike. Right. That I have much less reticence about. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't... I ultimately don't give a shit about Black Knight. Do you know what I mean? That that means nothing to me. God, who the fuck's between Black Knight? Frank Thierry and someone. I can't remember. Frank Thierry, who's the new writer You think you're going to underwhelmed by Frank Thierry? Really? Frank Thierry's the new writer from Catwoman. I know. How did that happen? We are in the middle of a Thierry renaissance. I yeah. don't know. A Frankissance? I, I don't I know. was genuinely floored. Of all the DC news, I think the... the um, Actually, Frank I Thierry forgot about him doing Catwoman. I thought I said, didn't I? that makes sense, right? Frank Thierry? Yeah. You know? Well, I, for me, because... And I, I, I apologize. I, it's like one of those weeks. Because I've been doing a lot of traveling. You're I, like, I, I thought I told you this. I told you this. Maybe we did. Well, to me, it's just very simple of... Harley Quinn's a big book. You know, is now really one, one of DC's biggest books. Oh, right? God, yeah. In that she now has a book, a bi-monthly book, and a seemingly unstoppable level of specials that seems to come out every three months. Yes. Yeah. So... So to me, I suspect, and although I could be wrong, is they were like, we've got to get Jimmy Palmiotti on Catwoman, you know? Oh my god, if, they, if they're going to try and, if they're going to try and Harley Quinn Catwoman, then that's a terrible idea. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I have a sneaking suspicion they went to Palmiotti and was like, dude, you're doing Harley Quinn, you and, you and what's her name are doing a great job with it. Oh is there any chance you can do that same, bring that same magic to Catwoman because, of course, she's one of our flagship characters? I, I'm going to say, first of all, the DC would not say, what's her name? No, I know. I'm kidding. No, but I think they're really... I think Amanda Connor is arguably a more important creator to DC than Palomiotti is right now. I hope so. I, I know, worry I, a lot I, about I, DC. I, re- I really think so yeah. because she's the one that got the before Watchmen gig, which, 
Poison Chalice, but still, she's the one they got before watching. That is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're doing. They've done the hardcover collection of her her work. Yeah, that is the artist collection. So I think they're in the and also the reason that the Harlequin team up book is by monthly is so that she could do it. Oh, that's great. Which I think, which is so yes. It's like I I. I could, I, 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 know, I, know, I was trying to play no, the it, it was yes. more my, like, yeah. I was like, oh God, of course. And then I was like, but no, like no, DC right. actually is, is. No, no, no. They do care about Amanda Connor yeah. and they should. And I agree. Because and I, think I suspect. The, I think she's the X Factor in Helico. I, I agree. I also agree. It's, it's possible that they went to both Pamiati and Connor both and mm-hmm. were like, can you write this? And they're like, we don't have time. Here's our friend Frank. You it's know? just, it's a shame. Uh, oh, yeah. Guinevere Valentine's Catwoman has problems. Uh huh. It is not a perfect book. Right. But it's an interesting book. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but feel that Thierry is going to be less interesting. You we'll, know? We'll have to see. But the, Thierry is one of those guys who has yet to write a comic book that I've liked. I haven't read most of them. <laughs> I almost wanted to just leave it. He's yet to write a comic book. He is right. That would be great. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, let's quickly go through the DC news. Um, yeah. Doomed is cancelled. Right. I don't think anyone really cares. I mean, Scott, we should we no. should care, because right. it was given the 12-issue commitment like Omega Man. Yeah. But there wasn't the populist uprising that Omega Man got. That's right. Well, and you said good things about it. You compared it as like a Spider-Man it, character. Yeah, it's and it was, Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I think is kind of an amazing twist. So, yeah. Um, sort of. I mean, Spider-Man meets the Hulk, essentially. Yeah. Right. Which... When you think about it, it's actually a fine idea. Like, yeah. that's a completely Viable like. What if concept. Peter Parker became the Hulk? Sure, yeah. Like that's a that's a fine workable idea. Yeah. Um, Omega Man was cancelled and then uncancelled, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yes, the uncancelling is really interesting. Yeah, it, uh, and I'm not quite sure what it means. Because you and I talked after the Baxter building we recorded last. That's right. And we looked at the sales figures, and Omega Man was selling shit. That's right. To the point where I could totally understand why DC were like, oh, come on. Yeah. Let's pull the plug. Right. The fact that they uncancelled it yeah. speaks to, for me, the same thing that DCU does, which is they're putting an awful lot of faith in the internet. And I don't think the internet is repaying them for it. Like, I'm glad they did it. Yes. I can't help but feel that this is ultimately going to really bite them in the ass and lead to a much bigger conservative swing. It, which could happen. The thing that I think is very different to me, and I could be wrong, again, and I think this is what I, I mentioned in passing after that Baxter building, is the idea that, that I honestly think that uh, King is trying really wants to do Watchmen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Omega Men, I think someone went and explained, like literally had to explain the whole thing and said, look, on the one hand, sure, this book is not selling. Yeah. You only, but it's like four issues in, plus whenever they canceled it, I'm sure there was it production. Was to, it was, yeah, it was going to end with it's issue seven. seven. Right? So they're like, so about it's, five months. Yeah. It's like just five more issues, which is money, but comparatively small money. But the writer has crafted this that it could be if it's the if it does what Watchmen does, it could because it is crafted as a done in one graphic novel that is twelve issues 
it is a complete story. It, it, it is very clearly written as mm-hmm. like this is this is a twelve part story. Yeah, like I was interesting. I was seeing people on Twitter yesterday complain about Omega Man's quality. Mm-hmm. I'm basically saying the first couple of issues are incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. They are terrible. They are bad comics. Mm-hmm. They do not provide anything that a reader reads. And someone said, well, if you read the preview, then the preview t- makes them great. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, well, no. Well, that just shows it's bad because they didn't tell you to read the preview first. And what I find, I, I find many things interesting about that. Not least of all, given my understanding of the timelines, mm-hmm. the preview was created around issue three. Wow. Right? So the preview uh-huh. is not important. Like, it's not a must read because yeah. it was literally created after the fact. Right. But also, it speaks to people's expectations. Yes. Because Omega Man 1, 2, and 3 mm-hmm. are amazingly slow burn. Mm-hmm. They are, you bought this issue, you're in this for the long haul. Like, we are not going to explain things to you now. You're just going to have to take it on faith and in, get what you can out of this. And I think issue 1 is actually great. I don't think issue 1 is confusing as a, a, a story at all. I don't think, I think it gives a lot. I think it's got a lot in it. Mm-hmm. Um... But I wonder if there's just so much of a market that just is not, is like, well, no, you didn't follow the rules I understand for, yeah. for what this should offer. Yeah. Therefore, it's bad. No, I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, uh, it takes me back to a little bit of what I had said about Mad, Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. where I was like, it's such a good movie, but there's so little language in it. You know, there's that, that I think that turned audiences off. Mm -hmm. And I think there is, there's a little bit of stuff that's outside of the realm of normal. Mm -hmm. I think there is that idea of like, oh, they're doing it wrong or, oh, it's bad. And I mean, on the one hand, we definitely suffer in some ways from internet expertitis. Yeah. You know, and God knows I'm certainly guilty of that. Hi. Yes, exactly. As Graham would say. (laughs) Have you met us lately? You know, but yeah. And, but on the other hand, I do think that there is, uh, there are ways sometimes where things can, it's weird. You can have an experience where there's like, all, sometimes all you need is that one or two little touches that you're like, oh, I've got confidence in the creators. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, issue one has that because issue one actually pays off as an individual unit as well. Yes. Because you have the conversation about, Trust us. Yeah. Like, you you have the... the It begins with yeah. the soldiers, and it's... Now the thing is, I'm like, am I going to mix up with issue two? But I'm fairly sure it's issue one. No, no, no. You're right. Um, It starts with the, the quote-unquote evil soldiers... Yeah. ...using a particular language. Yeah. And then revealing themselves to have very bad intentions and be inhuman, which yeah. sounds like a strange thing to say about aliens, but go with me in this. That language is then repeated at the end of the book for the protagonists of the series, which really, for my money, pays off the issue. Agreed. Like, the issue yeah. then works as a unit because while it is clearly an introduction, while it's clearly chapter one, you have had enough information given to you that, you that you're like, oh, I get what this is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand what this story is. I don't know where the story is going. I don't know what the, the overall shape of the story is. But I know the tone. So, like, that's why when people are like, wait, it's incomprehensible. It's not incomprehensible. No, I agree like, with you. If, I agree with if, you. It does help if you're, if you're reading closely. Right. Like, you get a lot in that first yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah, no, and 
which I see and I agree with. Uh, but. Well, there may not necessarily be a but. I'm several issues behind because uh, I think I read one and two and one four four is that so yeah yeah and I, I think I I think I have it but I haven't read it. I've got I've got a significant backlog of newish comics mm-hmm. that's hopefully I'll have read before the next time we talk. Oh, oh. oh read up, Jeff. Yeah, read up. No kidding. Uh, it is interesting though. I'm just saying. I, I agree with you, and I saw the same thing, although it, it helped me that you talked about it, and then I read the issue, okay. and that was in there. And part of me is like, well, I think I would have caught it, although in my brain I'm like, oh, right, they're just the good guys. They're saying the same things, and so it's a different thing. But no, it's clearly considering how much the Alpha and the Omega and sort of a, a circular structure, yeah. even in that first issue, exactly, is talked about, that there are lots and lots of pointed things but i sometimes wonder again and i know that you know you're like eh, watchmen fine you know for what it is not really my <laughs> cuppa you know but there is a lot to be said i think in that first issue of watchmen where and for me uh, it seems ridiculous to say uh on the one hand because of its obviousness but also because alan moore's had so many hits across the board with other artists but the secret ingredient of watchmen is dave gibbons and gibbons a Ability, like more can just bury you in detail yeah. but of course Gibbons knows what to show you and also knows how to put in little touches that make it feel you know what I mean yeah. those are the things that win yeah. confidence yes. you know yeah. well Gibbons makes it look approachable right G- Gibbons makes it look like something that you have your bearings in even as Moore Immediately. Is, is writing against that and yes. it's, that pairing is what makes Watchmen exactly. as powerful as it is right as you're saying this, I'm just like, imagine if Watchmen came out today. Right. That's a good question. Would it work? Would, or would people just be like, this is bad, this is dumb? And you know what? I'm sure people were saying that on, on about Watchmen. It sure, just wasn't I'm on sure the internet. But, it, but it's, a totally, it's a totally different environment yeah. than your books now. It's yeah. a totally different environment. I agree. Well, it's but, funny. No, I, but it wasn't just that. I was also thinking, like, the sexual violence in Watchmen. Yes. So imagine the the backlash against Watchmen that would have happened. Yeah. And how that would have coloured opinion towards it. Because you know that that would have been called out. Oh, yeah. Imagine the bleeding cool articles about Watchmen. Oh, yeah. True. There would have been a ton. It's so funny. Whereas I'm I'm in a much more basic... But Graham, just think. If Dave Givens had drawn Omega Man... (laughs) No, because I I do have a little bit of that. If Dave Givens had drawn Omega Man, I, I... I don't know what that would be like. Part of me really wonders from Omega Man. It might be. It might be. I think the art isn't bad. I actually really like the art. Yeah, I, and I, I'm, I think I'm some. I'm more coolish on it. Mm-hmm. I'm a little more coolish on it. You know, I mean, it's. I can tell what's happening, which is a good sign. <laughs> it is a start. Yeah, exactly. But I can't necessarily say. And I know he's got a style, but there is also a little bit of. Uh, sometimes I wonder if it's. If it has the precision. You, you want it to be. You're just a conservative. You're a visual conservative. That's me. Oh, you're visual like, conservative. You're like, what if John Byrne drew Omega Man? That's yeah, the there you go. Tom yeah, King, me. John Byrne. Tom Terry King, Austin. John Byrne. There we go. Oh, you don't like Terry Austin at all. Just the fact that it's. <laughs> I was just going with the Byrne Austin, like right. the classic arch team. Yes, exactly. Story. That you don't uh, like. I don't, I don't like Terry I know, Austin. I know. So I, somebody I have was. such problems with his. his I think a whatnot was talking in one of our comments fields. It was like, yeah, Dan Green. 
undersung, underappreciated. Yeah. Dan Green. See? Sure. Yeah, so you jump give, in. Give and me Dan Green. Yeah, there we go. Come on. Well, I'm totally biased about Dan Green because my X Men when I started was John Reese and Dan Green. Oh, yeah. It's so, like Dan Green, like, even ju- just his name right. evokes happy memories. You're like, you know what I mean? Ah. Like, oh, his work. He's a super weird inker. He is you, weird. You, you can see he's a he's a really rough inker and a very unforgiving inker, and he overwhelms pencils a bunch. Right? Was he? It was, he wasn't inking Smith, was he? No, I want to say it was Wyatchek, or was yeah, that Bob, the... yeah, Bob Wyatchek? Okay. okay. So. Um, but Green came on with Romita and mm-hmm. stayed around for a while. I'm pretty sure he does a lot of the Mark Silvestri issues as well. Uh, wow! Okay. And yeah. it's. He's he's got a really particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost want to say painterly, but all I really mean by that is like he's very fond of brushwork. Yeah, I was about to say you can see his brushwork. Yeah, it, it, to me he's sort of. Uh, it's almost like the poor man Claus Jansen, I guess you know. Oh no, I wouldn't say so. I think Claus is much more a fan of um, angular, whereas uh, Green is is much more um, organic. Oh, interesting. I'll have to go like, back and but, visit. But who knows? Well, I mean, Jansen is angular, but I also think that there's a point in Jansen's work relatively early on. Keep talking, Jeff. Oh, he's going to grab the issues in the show. No, no, I'm me. not. I'm not going to grab something else. Uh, with, uh, oh, oh, holy shit. Wow. That's... What what I've just done to Jeff is the um, oh, Batman War black and white hardcover of uh, Dark Knight Returns. Jesus. Look at this. Yeah. Well, you know, but which is funny because on the one hand, part of me is like, oh, that's kind of a great idea. And but, it looks terrible without Lynn Barnes art. Yeah, exactly. It really does. You can only go so significantly far. Significantly less. Yeah, yeah. It's it really so does. funny that they made a hardcover out of it because yeah. it feels like a lesser book. Well, it really is. It's one of those deals where someone should have looked at it and went, oh, like, Maybe like, not. yeah, it needs a proof of concept. And, and the interesting thing, too, is I think, although I could be wrong, I'm, it wouldn't surprise me. If maybe they even did do a proof of concept on the, like, say, the first issue, but like Varley, Miller uses Varley as a collaborator. It's just looking at this issue, it's clear he, he, he really does, like, realizes the potential and opens it up for her. Yeah. I mean, he should have known beforehand because she was doing the colors on uh, Ronin, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I mean, on the one hand, he would know, but like looking at the the early issues where there's there's just a chunk of pure black and white, I'm like, yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 But by the final, yeah, issues, you look at the ending pages and you're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, no there's, there's one could so have thought much, that. Yeah, that was a there's good so idea. much white. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I it's, I don't know. I, I handed that to you anyway, too, because uh, we're talking about Johnson. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, uh, but yeah. also, Jeff, we have been talking for a long time now. Let's get through the things we want to talk about. Yes, right. Because really, haven't we been talking for like almost an hour and a half? Uh, an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. So You're like, yeah, close enough. We gotta go. Go. Yeah, go, let's go. go. Yeah, okay, great. Graham. Yes, so. Jeff, go. Oh, right. So Lightning Graham. <laughs> Graham's like, Jeff, start talking. So let me see here. One of the things that I did want to talk about that I thought was interesting is, oh, right, is I had bought... Something like Supervillains Unite, which is the recent collection of all of Marvel's supervillain team-up material that um, is, uh, as, as people have heard me groan on and on about, at it, 
is available digitally at a significantly lower price point on the Amazon for the Amazon Kindle than it is for comics. Sure, and let's take a slight detour before you get into what I know you want to talk about, which yeah. is your Engelhard thing. Yes, to talk about. You also uh, bought me Skull the Slayer on Kindle. That's right. And when we were talking about this earlier on, I was saying that I've not even finished that weeks later because it keeps crashing my Kindle. Yes. And we had a conversation roughly along the lines of, maybe Amazon Kindle is a terrible format for comics. Yes, and that, and that I, is where say, I was going to say, sure, Amazon Kindle is a terrible format for comics. Yeah. It is, I don't know if it's just the size of the Skull of Slayer uh, collection or not. Right. But it will crash my Kindle no matter what. Every yeah. single time I've opened it, it has crashed the Kindle. Yeah, which uh, is... Which makes for a, a horrible reading experience. Right. Makes for an amazingly fragmented reading experience. I'm not sure Skull and Slayer is my speed anyway. Right. I think Skull and Slayer is like um, Kill Raven. Yeah. In that it has all the trappings, or uh, John Carter of Mars, or mm-hmm. any of those things. Mm-hmm. It has all the trappings of 70s Marvel that I love. Yes. But on genre or character that I just do not care about. Mm-hmm. And so it is like a favorite band doing a cover version of a song I don't want. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I can recognize the artistry, I can recognize the skill. Right. But ultimately, I'm just completely disengaged with this material. What? So add that to the, I'm really having trouble physically reading this. Right, right. And so it just leads to this amazingly frustrating experience. Right. Well, it was interesting because, as people know, uh, again, bejoodles of words about Skull the Slayer over at uh, uh, waitwhatpodcast.com for me. Um, and it was in the course of research in doing that and, by, and getting the digital trade of that that I realized, or wait, no, I bought all the individual issues, that I realized the trade was available on the Kindle and I bought it for Graham because I, I was very excited about us being able to talk about it on the podcast, in part because I suspected it would not be Graham's thing. And you were totally right. I was, part but of me I, was hoping not, otherwise. But it's not but, even like I dislike it. Yeah. I just feel this, I am unable to connect with it. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is just like, oh, I'm sure this is good. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I just, it's one of those things where you're like, I just don't get it. I yeah. just don't get it. No, which I kind of get. I, I mean, I do. I would have been surprised and delighted if you had kind of been into it. Yeah. But I am curious as to how well that character translates. Part of me was kind of like, you know, the to me the lost. It's it's a little bit like. Um, remember when I was uh, on my 2008 AD kick, super heavy. Yeah. And a oh my god, I loved Rogue Trooper. Mm-hmm. And B, I was like. This would make the most amazing TV show, you know, kind yeah. of thing of like, there's so much potential here in terms of the characterization mm-hmm. and even a way to, to ex- understand and explain their stories. Um, Skull the Slayer, of course, starts off in a way it's almost like lost with like four people in yeah. that sense. And there's no smoke monster. It's all dinosaurs. And you <laughs> see them on page two. Um, but for me, I just look at that. I'd be in a way. Part of me is like I can see why you, it's not really your thing, but but I'm also kind of like. But let's face it: the whole like disappearing through the Bermuda Triangle and ending oh, up in the land it's of the a time great for God, concept. you know? Like, yeah, I, I. It all it's again all feels like I should love it, right. but I don't. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, and everything does. The concepts there, mm-hmm. the creators are great, and the creators are doing what they do on 
other characters that I like at that time. Yes. And I love it. Right. And, like, I can even recognize they're doing the same thing. Yeah. And I'm just left going, yeah, this is okay. Right, right. You know, it's exactly. a weird thing. We're right. like, I don't get why this isn't clicking, but this is not clicking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but, I mean, but like in terms of like high concept, it's great. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some great stuff there, but it is fascinating that it doesn't doesn't translate for you. Clearly, didn't work for the audience back in the time because they tried to get it saved sales wise, and then yeah. it didn't. Uh, but to move to your other point, we it is stunning to me that you have a Kindle tablet, admittedly yeah. one of the first to come out way back then, right? Or did you get a replaced? Fire. It's yeah, first one, Kindle Fire. One of the first Kindle Fires, yeah. Yeah, so one of the first Kindle Fires, but this is a situation where you are reading a quote-unquote Kindle book on a Kindle tablet, like, that was designed just, yes. for multimedia consumption. I just crash it up. Wow. I mean, that is, to me, so... Now, part of this might be my Kindle. For all I know, there might be something wacky about my Kindle. It could be. Or it could just be that it's that classic case of, uh, like, the, although there are problems that I've had reading Kindle comics on my iPad, mm-hmm. I do have, I've got one of the first iPad Airs. My first gen iPad, the stuff that I read more or less worked okay, but it was just basic comicsology stuff. Yeah. It was like when I had my subscription to Shonen Jump Alpha, there was some really basic titles and it was sort of in his nascence. Yeah. But it more or less worked. Part of me is also kind of like, um, I want, sometimes I wonder if I, you know, because I have like, I paid money for this tablet that was worth it. Um, I do wonder sometimes if I have an easier experience than other people might have. Like, people are like, ah, comicsology crashes out on me all the time, for example, which yeah, I don't know yeah. if it does or not. But I am amazed that if nothing else, it seems to me, a Kindle app, like, should be able to run Kindle products on a Kindle tablet, you know, and, yeah. and things should yeah. all be optimized. Yeah. And the no, fact that it, it just, is not it, the case. Like, and always does. Yeah. I, and it's not, I has to be that, it's not just... Skull. Mm-hmm. I have the same problem with uh, the Doctor Who free comic book day floats, oh, which really? was released on Amazon for free. Oh wow! As an Amazon release, uh-huh. and it's much shorter. Yeah, because at first I was like, maybe it's cost Skull is so long, right? Because that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does file, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, like ten issue, ten comic books. Yeah, you know? it's the Doctor Who one also crashed when I was reading the first time. Yeah, see, that's and I was that's like, just maybe sign. this is just like yeah. it's just the uh, Amazon Kindle comic releases just aren't. Good. So I yes, and there I would uh, agree with you because as people, if they follow me on Twitter, would know, um, reading Supervillain Team Up is fascinating because whenever, well, there's a couple of things. One, as you know from reading comic books, is the iPad's pinch to zoom function mm-hmm. is incredibly helpful for like growing a panel's details or changing sure. the border the borders of the page really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everything, every Kindle page is set in a way that you cannot, there is no way to shrink it or grow it other than to do their version of, of guided view, which I think yes. is called smart view or something. That, and, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that itself is, admittedly, there are some comics that have sort of very organic panel boundaries. And I think Skull might be one of them, as I realized when I was doing screenshots for the stuff. But part of it is also, more often than not, the Kindle just is the person, whoever's like done it, it would not even surprise me if it was just a computer macro to cut things up. Like, you know, it's like, 
hit six if it's a six panel grid, hit four if it's a four panel grid, yeah. and hit, you know, Q if you need to carve up the page, but we'll dock your pay if you spend more than 30 seconds on it. It is, it is not a, a, a good yeah. app. Yeah. There, is, there is a double page spread in one of the early issues of Supervillain Team Up where Doctor Doom is lying in the water on the ocean. Having been knocked out after a ship's not, oh, he's fallen from space because they're setting up the explanation of this for early issues of Supervillain Team Up, among other things, explain how Doctor Doom survived his last death in like Fantastic Four number 128 to be able to come back to Fantastic Four 155 to be able. So back when they did those sorts of things, admittedly, it's also Roy Thomas writing it, but so they have a double page spread of Doom. Floating on the water, which of yeah. course you're like, because of his force field apparently. And because it's a double page spread, the Kindle prints it as one page. So it's yeah. shrunk down. It's yeah, like a it's little tiny, sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. It's dinky. It's unreadable. So, and you can't pinch to fit it. When you do the smart view of it, it'll lead you through the captions and it actually skips over. You never yeah. see Doom yeah. lying on the water. Yeah. So it's like, da, 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 da. it goes around in this arc. And it leaves out the central image, and I'm like, really? That's amazing for a comic book app to do. So, And by amazing, we mean appalling. Appalling. So, fortunately, there's not a lot of double-page spreads in yeah, the issues of yeah. Supervillain Team Up that I read. But there's also uh, kind of an inability to – it's sort of – I would be happier. There are apps that allow you to bookmark a page and come back to it, which yeah. I think is fantastic, mm-hmm. like – uh, 2000 AD's app through the newsstand or whatever does that. And I think that's great. I'm always surprised that Comixology doesn't have that, but for yeah. whatever reason, it also seems to work. Yeah. Kindle, the, especially when you're reading all these issues, I'm like, okay, I gotta make it a point to like stop reading. I can't stop reading in the middle of an issue because I have no guarantee yeah. I'll be able to get back there. Yes. So. It's a really, it is a, it's a, it's an amazingly hamstrung experience that you really think considering, I mean, Kindle's kind of into Amazon is not, it's not dicking around. It bought Comixology. Yeah, exactly. It owns Comixology. Why is this not better? Yeah. Why is this not better? Even if it was the, you would expect to see back in the old days, people would buy a company, siphon off all of its tech and then drop that yes. company like, yes. a, like a bad habit. I'm fat. Uh, part of me is relieved that co- that Amazon is essentially doing a two pronged front on digital comics. But it makes no sense. But it makes no sense. And what's also amazing is is the idea that their inferior product is their flagship thing, that they are then offering discounts that are ridiculous compared to the pricing for Comicsology. Yes. It just don't throw things off. That being said, I did get to read some Supervillain Team Up, Greg. Let me tell you. That that title is interesting. I got to say that title is a disaster. It is a disaster. I remember reading it as a kid and thinking, "Oh, this book's a disaster." Uh, people will be happy to know that. Fortunately, Steve Englehart comes in on it and really wants to write Supervillain Team Up. He does. He gets more joy out of it than anyone. But the reason Supervillain Team Up is a disaster is he is one of a number of writers in that book because that book really is the. Up until Englehart comes on, and even after Englehart goes, oh yeah, it is the who is available this month to write this comic because this comic has to come out. Comic completely, completely. It it goes Roy Thomas for the superhero giant size superhero yeah. 
supervillain team-up launches, the first one of which is reprint material. There's only 10 pages of new material <laughs> in Giant Supervillain Team-Up, the first one. Giant Supervillain Team-Up, the second issue, has a ro- is written by Thomas again, has a rotating cast of artists, including mm-hmm. Mike Sikowski is the guy who does the majority of the art for it, which is crazy. That's weird. And it, and it looks weird, let me tell you. Oh, Him Sikowski's doing art it, went wonderful towards yeah. the end. He was... Sikowski's later art, I love. Oh, and I dig him too. I just, it's just kind of. But on a Marvel book, you're not mistaking him. Exactly. You're not mistaking his stuff at all for, he's not a Kirby imitator, God bless him. Then what happens is I think Thomas has no interest in actually launching the title. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Tony Isabella for like two issues writing, and then it switches to, um, God, who is it? I think maybe it's Mantlo. And then Engel, oh, wait, did I write this down? I think I did write this down because it literally was so ridiculous. First issue, yeah, Supervillain 1 and 2, Roy Thomas, Tony Isabella writes issues 1 and 2. Jim Shooter writes issue 3, and the only reason why that at all, I'll come back to that. Um, Is that the the Avengers crossover version? No, no, that's later. So the thing that is amazing is, so it's Shooter writing it, and to be fair, Shooter also does a, a, a fascinating... There's many problems with Supervillain Team-Up. One of the ideas is is that it's Doctor Doom and the Submariner, and they're supposed to team up and take over the world. Yes. Englehart mentions this on his website. He really wanted the book. Everyone, Nobody wanted the book because the idea is, of course, they're never going to yeah, win. They can't. So, right. So it's that idea of this book has no point. Yeah. Also, unless it's rewritten as some spicy homoerotic fanfic, part of the problem is Submariner and Doctor Doom loathe each other at every point. Yes. So the the only... Uh, it's not even supervillains anymore. Supervillains try and outwit each other yeah. and are often outright at, at odds. Yes. It's basically it is. Supervillains at odds is what it is for the majority of it. Although there's a little bit of the Victor Loves Namer kind of idea to me that I love the... Because Von that Doom was, is that was aware. The for the book. Yeah, it was. <laughs> is, is that Doom... Doom needs, quote-unquote, needs Namor. And some of the characterization, because I, I actually really like Tony Isabella, bless him. Tony Isabella's way to basically have Doom realize that he needs the Submariner and therefore has to treat him as a, quote-unquote, friend. Yes. And try to do that could have been an interesting thing. But then Jim Shooter totally throws it out. He's like, no, Doom's a dick and needs no man, you know, kind of deal. But, of course, Shooter also has a much better take on Dr. Doom. And this is the other problem is supervillain team up is Dr. Doom and the Submariner. Yes. And basically everyone wants to write Dr. Doom and Nobody no one wants, wants to write Submariner. Yeah. Submariner was an anti-hero, like almost up until the launch of that book. Yes. Right. Right. So to even put him as the co-lead of supervillain team up. Yeah. Lucky. But Namor goes before the end of the series, right? Cause yes. he's not become like Doom and Magneto at some point. Uh, Yes, I will actually. Okay, keep going. I, I will keep get going. there. Yeah. So so then Englehart, who's like, nobody wanted the book. I couldn't wait to get it. So after he screws up Skull the Slayer, he jumps over to Supervillain Team-Up with issue... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Supervillain Team-Up number four is Bill Mantlo. So we have Roy Thomas, Tony Isabella, Jim Shooter, Bill and Mantlo. Bill Mantlo. By the time you get to issue four. And what's kind of a bummer is Bill Mantlo actually seeds things for... Marvel Spotlight 27, which is a Submariner solo issue. Okay. 
and it has threads from Deathlock the Demolisher, the Rich Buckler series. My God. Because the villain in issue four is, um, in, in Deathlock the Demolisher, he's like General Riker. Here he's only Lieutenant Riker, and he's a mad scientist, and he's created his first artificial that man. That is either wonderful or terrible. I, right. honestly, I honestly can't work out you if can't that tell. is yeah. great or one of those things that, you know, a non-comic reader would be like, what the fuck? I'm not even going to get into right. this shit. Right, exactly. But if you're of a certain continuity craze sure. stripe, oh, like myself, yeah. it's like, holy shit, they're tying into Deathlock the Demolisher. Matlow's trying to introduce those characters into the continuity, and he's trying to build a, a one-off to this Submariner yeah. bucket story that they don't bother to reprint here, which is hilarious. <laughs> so they have all the setup with yeah. it. Riker, the artificial man, Submariner. Then you get Englehart in. And Englehart, first thing that he, of course, does is he creates his Batman analog, The Shroud. The Shroud yeah. I was going to say, is, Englehart came up with The Shroud, right? Exactly. Because he then super comes excited in, about he it. He then brings in The Shroud to... West Coast Avengers, like, much later. Yes, that yes. would not surprise me, because yes. he does adore the character. So, he brings in, the, he basically creates Batman, uh, who is the Shroud, and it's, and interestingly enough, he does have some sort of weird pulse, uh, finger on the pulse of the idea that I just realized today, because what happens is the Shroud, his parents get killed, mm-hmm. he ends up going off to study to fight crime, yes. and he ends up learning from a bunch of some awesome kung fu from monks in Tibet who blind him because he no longer needs to see. Yes. So he's one part Daredevil, he's one part Batman, but he's also one part Doctor Doom, which is something that I didn't really catch in the earlier readings. Explain that. Um, Doctor Doom also has his thing where after he ruins his face, he ends up going, stumbling through the snowy hills of Tibet. And as I recall, it's those monks who help him build his armor, right? Isn't Isn't there like... The same monks? No, it's not the same okay, monks in the say. story. But, you know, you've got... And part of me is like, maybe I've got this confused with Doctor Strange, who also ends up wandering no, in the hills I'm of fairly sure. I'm fairly sure that Doom yeah. has that origin as well. He does. So he also ends up getting disfigured by monks. Um, oh, no, but Doom wasn't disfigured. Oh, no, Doom was disfigured by monks. No, yeah. well, Doom okay. wasn't disfigured by monks. He was, disfigured, was disfigured by, by the accidents. accidents. But depending on how you buy into it, there are those people like, yes. you know, like yeah, I, I know. Burns thing, who's yes. like, there's a minor flaw, and then when he puts the smoking hot, red hot mask on his face, yes. that, in other words, he disfigures himself trying to cover up yes. his one minor flaw. Yes, but even then, that's not the monks doing it, that's Doom doing it. That is Doom doing it, but... The, and that is the difference between the two guys. Yes. For me, the idea is is that you've got enough things that I hadn't noticed before, where the Shroud is is amalgam of Batman, Daredevil, and Doom. Exactly, and the extent to which maybe Doom, who's this guy who's supposedly seeking revenge for his parents, but is actually kind of an egotistical asshole, is also Batman. Excuse I'm me, not yes. sure how much Englehart is doing that as a critique. But one of the things that is also super fabulous is the Shroud pops up. With his goal to basically establish himself as the best superhero ever by killing Doctor Doom. Yes. The Submariner is uh, in a situation where Doom has quote-unquote cured Submariner of his inability. Because, of course, when that amazing suit that almost nobody likes except certain people like me. Oh, the is wonderful. Like the blue thing. Yeah, blue thing with the yellow wings. wings. Exactly. Because he had to... Stay in water or something? Yes, because, and this is one of those weird, as as people know, we now talk about Namor as a mutant and mm-hmm. as a member of the mutant yes. community. At the time, he is, of course, a, you know, anti-hero, as you point out. 
one of the twists that they did to give him his suit was he was blasted with a bunch of uh, toxic chemicals, toxic dumping in the sea yes. that mutated him. And I love the idea that he's actually that the that that was some of his the the quote unquote secondary mutation stuff that's now sort of you know a Morrisonian type huh. deal. So he's mutated. He has to wear the suit, otherwise he can't stay out of water. But Doom, he's cured that. He has with a potion that he has to drink every twenty four hours, or he dies instantly. To be fair, that is a very classic Doom moment. Yeah, exactly. Right? Good, good job, Doom. Yeah, good job, Doom. Good job, Engelhart. He sends him to the Fantastic Four, so the Fantastic Four finally pop up, which makes sense considering these are two Fantastic sure, Four villains. Exactly. Doom's basically like, go to Reed Richards, have him cure you. I can guarantee you that he won't. Yeah. I give you 24 hours. And Submariner has basically given his word to Doom. And so he has 24 hours. And, of course, Reed in his classic, like, can't you see how hard I'm working, everybody? Let me yell at you kind yes. of thing. You're um, dying wrong. <laughs> I also love the idea that Reed Richards, like, even though that it's been 15 minutes since someone challenged him, once he's under a time gun, he gets, he sprouts the five o'clock shadow. Like, like, I love the idea that Reed Richards stress beards. Like, nobody else has <laughs> well, ever stressed beards. if you think about it, he can change his shape because of his rubber powers. So maybe it's subconscious. Maybe it is. I've just no prize the shit out of the Reed Richards stubble. Absolutely. Although we do see him, we do see him shaving during, when Galactus is showing up, right? Yes. He isn't just. No, he's he's uh, shaving it off, and then he's collecting it off and eating it, so he can go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be great. I want to see the panel where like Reed Richards eats his own hair because that is. That is just creepy and believable enough. <laughs> like he's got his fingernails and yep. anyway. So Englehart goes on to do other things. Like now that he sort of establishes, like, of course the Submariner is like, curse you, Richards, you didn't help me. Now I'm forced to be obedient to do yes. forever. Yeah. So you finally get them in their situation where they're going to be buddies. Yes. The Fantastic Four are like, fuck that, we're gonna go and we're gonna save Submariner. So the next issue it's exciting. We're finally up to like issue five, six, or whatever it is. It's issue six, and it's the first time we've had the same writer and same art team on two issues. They get Which there. Is nuts. I know, right? right? It's really bad. So one of the things that is is a damn shame. I won't go into every ounce of the issue because there is the idea that we only have so long, and I've got to bug you about the comics you've read. They go the fantas- The FF go. They're going to break into Latveria. Save Submariner. Submariner sitting in a, in a cell, being like, "Oh shit! I hope Doom doesn't make me fight them because then I will have to fight them and fuck them up." He says so because yeah. my word is bond. Meanwhile, you see Doctor Doom talking to a shadowy figure. He gives him a tour of Latveria, and in one of those awesome God, I love Stephen Gohart so much moments. At the end of the issue, is the Fantastic Four managed to subdue Submariner, break into Force Doom to make him, you know, take Namor away with them. Henry Kissinger steps out because Kissinger is at the time was secretary of state with the United States. And at the time that was a thing that caused much hand wringing by many people that Kissinger who had among other things had openly arranged for the bombing of so many innocent Mm -hmm. civilians during the Vietnam war. And yet was still allowed to remain in his position for whatever goddamn reason. Kissinger has 
signed a non-aggression pact with Dr. Doom. Latveria is now a United States ally. Which is so great. Is the best. And it also even does, considering this is at the height, still like the waning days of the Cold War, but it's still Fast and Furious, makes a lot of sense that they need a, a non-communist East European ally yep. there. Fucking awesome. But more to the point, it's actually Hannah It. More to the point, it's actually Henry Kissinger, who does not even blink twice. And in fact, a lot of the things that he says, and this is where the great thing comes in, he was like, Latveria always had the tech that interested us, but you weren't really a country of interest to us because essentially you didn't have enough people. You did your mass. So Doom, by joining forces with the Submariner, basically is like, it's Atlantis it's a and me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's able to sw- sell himself to the United States. Now, let's face it. This is kind of awesome. Also awesome is after the... Once Henry Kissinger says... Go home, Fast and Right. Reed Richards is like, absolutely, how fast can we go? Let's get in the car. You know, because he's like, he's like, damn it. We, you know, we've always had the trust of every president from, you know, Kennedy yeah. to blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to betray that trust now. And both Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm are like, you big fat fucking sellout, which is great. Great. So it's basically up to Batman to save Namor from Dr. Doom. Um, and where it clearly is building there, because Englehart at this point is writing supervillain team up and he's writing the Avengers. Mm-hmm. You get a you get a whole situation where essentially the Atuma attacks manages to slave the Avengers and send them against Doctor against Submariner. So you've got the Avengers versus Submariner, Doctor Doom versus Atuma. There's all this. It's clear that this is going to be Englehart as he does. He crosses over between the yeah, two yeah. titles that he writes. The problem is he gets fired from the Avengers after issue one fifty. So. The thing that is insane is not only does Englehart leave at issue eight, issue nine, Jim Shooter comes back as the artist. He actually draws the issue of Supervillain Team Up. I remember that. Oh my God. I'd forgotten. I thought that he wrote it. I don't remember who's writing it. I think he maybe he's writing and drawing it. I think someone else is writing it. Maybe Conway. Is it? Is no, it I want to say maybe Roger Stern. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Jeff is checking his iPad right now, which normally I can just hear when Jeff goes quiet. But no, this time I can see him do it. He's entering his code. <laughs> He's entering. It's true. He's touching lots of, of screen buttons. Well, of course, because it took a minute for the kid. I was going to be like, this is going to be great. The kill is totally going to crash on me. Yeah, the kid was like, not for you, Jeff Lester. Exactly. But no, because I remember reading the avengers crossover issue of that that i got in a back issue randomly in a second-hand bookstore wow when i was in high school really yeah and i and i that was the only part i read for years because i read supervillain team up when it was the essentials collection ah right oh my god then you really know what a mess it is recently bill mantlow wrote it there you go before but jim shooter and sam trapiani draw it which let's just say that jim shooter did not make the wrong decision by deciding to concentrate on his writing it's kind of amazing. There aren't, like, a lot of dudes who necessarily... I mean, it's not terrible. Yeah, no. I it's mean, it's bad, but considering we later get Bob Hall inked by Don Perlin, those guys are both professional full-time artists, and it's not that much better. 
Jim Shooter, of course, also did layouts for Legion of Superheroes when he first started. Right. So which when I he love. was like 15 or something. So <coughs> Yeah, there's there's some... So you get some amazing George Perez art with the Avengers issues, and then some really, really yes. unbelievably yes. bad some art in the Super considerably Lord. worse art. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Shooter's... Uh, Englehart's gone, which is just this crazy moment, because he's been building up this thing all along, and then he's like... I guess someone else finishes my plot. Exactly. And as I was telling Graham, the horrible irony is this is an entirely in the middle of a storyline in which they are, uh, there's a revolutionary faction that the Shroud has gotten involved with that are trying to replace Doom with an imposter Doom Mm -hmm. that they are trying to carry off that they almost managed to make, but kind of don't and everything falls apart. And I'm fascinated by the idea that as Englehart is crafting an entire story about rulers who are being overthrown by revolutions they don't seem coming and replaced He's by imitators. Exactly. by other creators. But you should say part two of this theory. Yes. Which is, where did Engelhardt go, Jeff? That's right. He ends up going to Justice League of America, where, where in the very first issue... He ends up showing up as the president of Ecuador. By which we mean Steve Englehart himself ends up showing up. As Esteban Aguilar, which I think I think it was uh, Whatnot Cormac who pointed that out to me and blew my tiny mind. But sure enough, Englehart as Aguilar is the president of uh, Ecuador and needs the Justice League's help and spends a page apologizing for having mocked them in the past. Because he really had just recently done an incredible sequence with the Squadron Supreme that was a mockery of the Justice League and DC's conservative values. Now, of course, he finds that he needs their help, and he apologizes for not believing in them. It is amazing stuff. Yeah. This is to say Jeff has finally read the uh, Steve Englehart Justice League issues. That, that's right. The Graham lent me, was it on the last trip? Yes, a year ago, Jeff. Yes. So... So, you're welcome, Graham, uh, for returning <laughs> those issues, too. I return them not more than yeah, uh, maybe two hours hence. We're not going to talk about it this time. We're going to talk about it next time so that I have a chance to reread them. That sounds good. That sounds okay, good. And yeah. then we will talk about them because there's Absolutely. some fascinating stuff in those issues. There really is. But, so, this has been your Moment of Englehart. Yes. Bong, bong, bong. <laughs> good song. Thank you. Thank you. Good song, Jeff. Yes? Graham? Anything you would like to say? We've got about an um, hour 40, and okay. I don't know... I'm going to just very quickly say then okay. uh, what I told you earlier, but now we'll be telling the, the whatnots. Um, I read Clang. Yes. I read Christopher Priest's tell-all about the making right. of Quantum and Woody, or rather Q2, the return of Quantum and Woody, the recent uh, Valiant series that he and Doc uh, Bright did. Um, and it's a weird-ass book. Anyone who wants a comic book that literally leads up, uh, lives up to the term tell-all, it's there, my right. friends. Well, no, it's not a comic book, right? It's no, not no, a it's, it's a book about comics. Okay, so, okay thank you. Book. I wanted to make sure that yeah. we were clear. Um, it is a prose book. It right. is It is really strange. It starts off with what I think is a collection of essays he wrote for his website about Quantum Moody while it was ongoing. Wow. Uh, that he then adds new material to afterwards after the fact and then goes into his this is what happened behind the scenes of making q2 which the way he describes it is a massive clusterfuck like an astoundingly bad clusterfuck really uh where editorial were utterly disengaged Mm -hmm. and not responding to him at all uh and to hear him tell it 
Mark Bright was actively acting against his desires and ignoring his directions from everything from character design to literally what is happening on the page. Wow. So and, and not, two not, collaborators. And not misunderstanding. Right. He outright says, no, he just decided he didn't want to do what I wanted to do and he was going to fuck me. Really? Really. Fucking it's shit. fascinating to read mm-hmm. because you're left with either thinking, wow, everyone at Valiant is amazingly uh, incompetent mm-hmm. or, and or didn't give a shit about the book. And Mark Wright set out explicitly to fuck Priest. Or Priest is delusional. Wow. Like, that is your, your either Right, those, those are your those three are your, choices. No, your two choices, because it's, it's, it's a claim is terrible and Bright is... is oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Right, okay. Sorry. Or right. Priest, Priest is, is delusional. delusional. Right, okay, got that's it. That's it. Wow. That's your choice. Wow. Um, it's a fascinating book. It is... It's a super fast read. I mean, if if you're looking to buy it, it's digital sure. and it's like three dollars. Right. Or you even said that. If oh, you're... if if you subscribe to Kindle Unlimited, it's free. Okay. Right. I, I got to say, I thought it was just going to be a collection of scripts, which is the why the scripts are in up. there as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. You get the scripts for uh, the unpublished final acclaim issues of Quantum and Woody, uh-huh. and you get the initial notes and scripts for Q2. Wow. So there's a bunch of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And you get the, the tell-all essay, which is just, I mean, really crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he essentially says Valiant's business team really wanted him involved, really wanted he and Priest to do the book, uh, right. he and Bright to do the book. Uh-huh. But the editorial team could not give a shit, like literally could not give a shit. Wow. To the point where he wasn't even getting paid until he'd have to email the business side to say, why am I not getting paid? Holy crap. Um, and he includes his initial note, character design notes in mm-hmm. the book. Unless he's rewritten them, then sure enough, Bright either didn't read them or just decided to outright ignore them. Wow. Because what is on the page looks nothing like what the character design notes say. Like nothing. Huh. Uh, for example, the because the, the whole idea of Quantum of Q2 is... It's set real time after the cancellation of the series, so it's twenty years afterwards. Right. So the characters are older. Right. The characters are now in like in their late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Uh, and in the character designs, he goes, "Okay, so what it is is it, your characters are Bill Cosby and Mark Wade. <laughs> like that's what they look like. Right. Okay. And if you read the book, no, they don't. Wow. Well, one right. thing, they don't look that age. Like, yeah. They look at best mid thirties. Right. But also. They're the second Woody, uh, Woody two in the in the in the script, and actually in the comics as well, but only really visible through the the, the dialogue. Uh-huh. It's transgender, uh-huh. and is meant to be drawn as clearly androgynous. Wow! And if you look at the art, no, wow. like drawn as male. Wow! Which I mean plays into the plot of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, at one point, Woody two has to basically go undercover as a girl mm-hmm. and in the comic it just looks weird but the way Priest right. initially thought of it right it, it would work right it, it would play out uh-huh. right? um he also talks about midway through writing this the third issue he realized that he couldn't fit in five issues and was like i we have to do a six issue series he's like and i thought they'd be fine with that right and instead they were just like nope you have to make it work <laughs> you've just got to basically rewrite what you've done 
and or just squish it all in the last two issues. Shit. And he's like, so there's entire plot lines that are dropped. Wow. And there's an entire character who does not make it into the series at all. Wow. That, again, if you read the scripts and you read the, the, the preliminary notes he provides, it makes more sense than what's actually in the comic. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. It really is... I mean, it, it's not even as if he can't be delusional, or if he is delusional, he's then went back to create all this ancillary material I was, to support himself. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Which seems somewhat unlikely, right? Right? But again, yeah. maybe not, because he decided he wanted to just tell Hulk and screw these people over. Sure. So who knows? I, this is one of those things that, it, not that it's a, something that I think about a lot, but in the few times that I've experienced, because I live in San Francisco, you occasionally encounter crazy people. And sometimes in, uh, well, I guess it's true. People, I'm sure there are delusional sociopaths who are able to reconstruct things. My general thinking is one of the things I find fascinating about people who suffer from some form of mental illness to that degree of mm -hmm. delusion mm -hmm. is they can't, they kind of can't get their shit together enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they always have evidence, but then when you yeah, you have quote unquote evidence. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's never anything yeah. that seems. It's it's such an odd book. Mm -hmm. uh, for people who like a gossip, but b like weird process stories. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. I was about to say it's sort of doubly up your alley. Sort of in the way the skull this layer should be something that you like, but don't. This seems like something that would really be up your alley. And therefore, you would like it. Although, it's probably a little disquieting in its, it's way. It's very... Well, it's not disquieting as much as it's, like, it's very sad. Mm -hmm. Everything about it comes across as very sad. Mm -hmm. um, in, in large part because Priest continues to say, like, no, Bright's my friend. Right. Like, you've got to understand this. We've always had this incredibly fractious relationship, but this guy's my friend. And part of me is just like, yeah, but does he think that? Because if this is true, he's really fucking you. Right. Like, he's really fucking you. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Now that I think about it, I'm sort of like, uh, oh, right. Like, kind of like back when Priest was writing under the name that he wrote at Marvel, Jim, Owsley, Land, yeah. Jim Owsley, they took over Power Man and Iron Fist. It was Bright and Owsley. Yeah, they did Spider-Man Wolverine together. Right, right. Which they did uh, Green Lantern together at DC for a while. Oh, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, they've worked together All this other bunch. stuff before Quantum and Woody came along way back yeah. when. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very odd book. It's a, it's it's really... It is weirdly sad. Like, you end up just being like, no matter how this actually went down, mm -hmm. no matter if it went down this way or went down a different way, like, I just feel sad for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, there's also the feeling that he's not being entirely honest mm -hmm. at points, and especially because he said that he basically withdrew himself from the project after he was finished writing the last script. Hmm. That he was sent material to review, and he was like, I'm not even going to look at it. Like, take my name off the book, even. Wow. Um, and then he said eventually he did read it. Huh. And was like, yeah, I guess the editor really came through, because some of the things I was concerned about were addressed. And part, like, part of me there was like, so, like, were, was editorial really as bad as you, you said? Right. Or were they just not getting back to you when you want? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it, he's he's an unreliable narrator. Right. Definitely. It's 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 fascinating. It, it, I, I think you'd like it. Yeah. But I also think you also would end being like, what did I just read? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, what is that? Uh -huh. And I just feel kind of sad for everyone involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And I think the saddest part is that he felt the need to write it and publish it. Yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because right. that feels, I don't know, that feels particularly desperate in a way and, and sort of last ditch in a way that makes me think, oh, why? Why would you do that? Like, it feels like he's really throwing Bright under the bus, which maybe Bright deserves after right. throwing him under the bus. Sure. But I don't know. There's just something about it. There is it. something about it. Well, I also feel that Priest is, I mean, maybe because he doesn't do the website anymore. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll just go right to the book. Because I remember back when Priest was writing on his website somewhat regularly, yeah. he would sort of tell the behind the scenes of stuff that happened at Marvel yeah. years after the fact. Yeah. And some of that stuff wasn't always especially... Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was years after the fact. Do you know what I mean? Like, Quantum right. really came out like two years ago? A year yeah. ago? A year ago, That's I think, super, right? super, super recently. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I yeah. don't know if it's, it's a weird, weird thing. Huh. Wow. But yeah. Totally, totally fascinating. Totally strange. Weirdly like reading someone's diary, I guess. Uh-huh. You know? That sense of like you're intruding somehow. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always an interesting and uncomfortable. That's, yeah. I'm always fascinated when I read, like, memoirs by people, and it reaches that level of, like, you get, you're like, ah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to say this? Because I feel like I shouldn't be reading this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's some sort of weird, like, you're not paying attention, and now suddenly I'm I'm deeply uncomfortable with yeah, what's going yeah. on here. And so so that's my recommendation, you guys. Wow. You guys should read that. You, you guys have got nothing but winners from us this time around. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, 2008 thing that I wrote about. 2008 Prague 1950. Yeah, yeah. Which is, if you like 2008, it's great. If you've never read 2008 before, I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. It's it's really it's a really good Prague, but it feels very much like a Prague that you should have read read other 2008 before to get stuff out of. Got it. Yeah, that's well. I it's interesting because I definitely have. But like I've encountered if, that. But before. if you have, for example, read Bad Company before and you liked it, right? The new Bad Company is super great. Oh, interesting. Much, much better than I expected. In part because I these days I'm like, oh, Peter Milligan. <laughs> oh, but it feels like it feels like original Bad Company, Peter Milligan. Right, right. Um, well, that is fast. Sorry, everyone. Jeff, you probably can Jeff hear me is, clicking, is clicking away. Something on his well, because part of me is like I'm always uh, completely unprepared with the for the end of the show and I talking will, about what's I will recorded do the next. End of the show. There we yeah. go. I'll do it because Jeff's, Jeff's busy just fapping around and clicking buttons. Um, I actually, I let's face it, Jeff doesn't either know what this is going to sound like for people. Hopefully, the audio quality has been great. Yeah. If not, we will be back to normal next time. Yes. Uh, but. Thank you for listening, people. If you're looking for us on the internet, you can find us at waitwhatpodcast.com, yes. where we will have show notes for this episode, and also written posts by uh, Mr. Jeffrey Lester, myself, and the amazing Mr. Matt Terrell. Yes. I should point out, because this oh, will be out soon. Oh, and this week! Yeah, we have a guest post by whatnot, Drew uh, Meijer. I probably mispronouncing your name, Drew. I apologize. Drew actually had asked us a question during our Q&A cast about what books uh, he should be getting for his library, we just said something like, all the books. Get all the books from your library. And then we get back to him, and he responded to us. Yeah, he actually, if you go to waitwhatpodcast.com and poke around, you should find Drew's guest post about his process for sort of how 
comics are purchased for his library, the library he works at, his how he tries to fill the slate of needs for those comics. And he also actually asks for people's suggestions at the end of it, which I think is great. So get a chance, go by, read his post, and then read chime comments. in with some comments and suggestions. It's uh, it's good stuff. Which means there are five posts on my podcast.com this week. Yeah, I think that is correct. That is Holy correct. Holy shit. And, and also, assuming Matt posts tomorrow, quote unquote tomorrow, We've had posts Sunday, Sunday Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. That will never happen again. Listen. Yeah, it really won't. <laughs> um, anyway, we're uh, waywatchpods.tumblr.com is the Tumblr, which is occasionally updated, depending on how busy I am, how busy Jeff is, and whether something is going on in the comics internet that I like to complain about and pull quotes from. You're very good about that, I have to say. Um, we're also on Twitter, at waywatchpodcast. Yes. Jeff is on Twitter, at lazybastard. At L A Z Y B A S T I D. I am at Graham M. At G R A E M E M. And Matt Terrell. Is he at Matt Terrell? You know, I think he is. Or is he? Is it an underscore? Hold on. Let me see if I can figure that we'll out. We'll find out. Yeah. Uh, we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher while Jeff is looking. Um, and we are a Patreon supported podcast. That means that people like you, dear Wadnuts, are actually making this possible. And we are genuinely, amazingly grateful. I should mention, Matt Turrell, as I thought, but had, just wanted to confirm, it has an underscore. So it's at M-A-T-T underscore T-E-R-L, Matt Turrell. Great guy. Yes. And his computer, for this shame, has been perfectly blown. Yes. Um, yeah, we are a Patreon supporter podcast. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash wait one podcast. That's right. People, we're going to get back to our creative summiting now. That's right. We've got so much summiting to create. You will not, you will be shocked when it actually comes out. It is amazing. It's like killing jar. Jeff is going to pitch all new Wade Wads. Yes, I am. I'm going to pitch all different Wade Wads. I'm going to see if we can something like a lot. Oh, shit. I'm I wanted all different Wade Wads. I'm hoping for all, all different new Wade Wads. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> all new, 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 different, different, wait, wait, and what? Wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. What? What? Anyway, <laughs> Jeff now gets to see me do this, because normally he just hears me do it. That's right. That's amazing. You don't even take an extra deep breath or anything. It's got such good lung control. Mm-hmm.